Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Ed Jerkin is a musician, songwriter, and singer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin originally, who is currently based in Chicago, Illinois. Professionally known as E.R. Jerkin, he has lived in a few different parts of the United States, making music in bands and on his own along the way. But on April 23, 2021, Drag City Records' new imprint, Country Time, released Jerkin's most fully realized and personal solo expression yet, a beautifully orchestrated folk pop album called I Stand Corrected. A few weeks after its release, Ed and I connected for a conversation about his life and times in America, his earliest musical and comedic influences, and the fact that he has kind of come to his own musical expression rather late in life, how he's used his voice to create a band, exercising trauma and pain via music, and this album, I Stand Corrected, David Berman, Drag City, and Country Time, future plans, and much more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 629th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented E.R. Jerkin, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. How's it going? Vish, hey, how are you doing, man? I'm well, I'm well. Uh, first of all, where in the world uh, are you? I am in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm at my home. Oh, very nice. So how long have you been in Chicago? So I've been here uh, five years and maybe three months, uh, so since uh, 2016. Oh, and what prompted, uh, well, first of all, I guess I should say, where did you move from? Sure. I moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the move was prompted by uh, looking to get into a little bit bigger uh, city. I had actually lived in Chicago uh, throughout my 20s, so I was familiar with it, and it's only about an hour and a half south of Milwaukee anyways. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I figured, you know, uh, this would be a good time to move, and uh, I already know the lay of the land, so I might as well just do it. So, And that I did. Now, I, I know you mostly from the biographical information about you that has been supplied to me, so mm-hmm. I hope I've got this accurate. I mean, you, you've lived in other parts of the country as well, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, uh, I've lived in California, a few different cities on the northern uh, part of the state, uh, New Orleans, uh, or New Orleans, Louisiana. I lived there, and then, um, and then two stints in Chicago, and I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, so I've lived there off and on too throughout my years. Oh, okay. So you lived. That's quite a quite a flavor for the country. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I just need to do like Boston or something to get the East Coast uh, some representation. <laughs> so. have, you, have you traveled throughout the country as well? Uh, I, have you been to Boston? Have you been to New York? These kinds of places. I have actually. Yeah, I've actually been to almost all the states in the United States mm-hmm. uh, and definitely have been to Boston and New York uh, f- somewhat recently. And uh, yeah, there's just a few left to go uh, to knock off all 50, uh, Alaska and Hawaii, and then uh, the uh, Carolinas are really all that remain. You avoided the Carolinas somehow. Wasn't intentional. You know, it's just, you know, somebody's got to be last and uh, they... <laughs> They they wound up fitting the bill. Even I've been to the Carolinas, and I'm really I'm I'm Canadian. You know, it's it becomes a weird thing. Like the only places in Canada that I haven't been are Mm -hmm. Nunavut. Wait, no, Mm -hmm. the only place in Canada I haven't been is Nunavut. So there's one I need to get to, and then I'm done. It it becomes Mm -hmm. like card collecting, doesn't it? You you really really want you really want to get to all of them somehow. You have to, Yeah. yeah. And uh, so now you've been then to uh, Yellowknife? Yeah, yeah, my uh, cousin. I, I went there in 2000 for my cousin's wedding. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Was that great? Yeah, it was fun. I Yeah, it was. It was memorable. It was weird. We we flew from Ontario to Edmonton for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is, four hours. Then we drove for 15. 
So that was oh weird. My. I've never gotten off a plane, and then the journey wasn't even half done. Like I right. <laughs> well, and a fifteen-hour drive in general is unusual. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Un- it was definitely unusual, and they're bison. Everyone. Mm. Everyone was going like super fast. Like I uh, in in our parlance, you know, 120, 140 kilometers an hour, oh, way way over the speed limit. Yeah, and then, that's moving. And then there would be bison off in the distance, and as you get closer, you'd have to slow down. There's just herds of bison, wild bison, and mosquitoes the size of, you know, hardballs, basketball, oh baseballs. Gosh. Yeah, huge mosquitoes, and, and all, oh, all night sunlight, you know. They must, I would think you could have the best basketball players in the world if you lived in, if, if they cultivated that, because you get to play all night. You don't have right. to come inside, you know. Absolutely. So I enjoyed it. Have, Make, you, have you ever been up north? You, you, you need to get to Alaska, it sounds like, but have you ever been further north? I have been to Montreal and I've been to Niagara Falls, uh, <laughs> north of the border. So. <laughs> that's the most, that's the northernmost you've gotten at this point. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, you know, I'd love to. Uh, you know, I, I think about uh, going up to, uh, driving up to Alaska, uh, you know, through Saskatchewan. And uh, now Saskatchewan is east of uh, Alberta. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, then Saskatchewan uh, all the way to Dawson Creek and then. Uh, up through the Yukon there. But, uh, you know, I'm not an everyday driver. I drive maybe four times a year. And, uh, so it would be an undertaking. I'm surprised to hear of your limited, uh, you know, driving just given the the mobility we've already described, I guess in a general sense, if you can, can you Mm -hmm. explain what has prompted you to do so much traveling throughout at least your own country by the sounds of it? We haven't even gone to the rest of the world. We're just in America and Canada so far, but, yeah, what is prompt? Is it your work? What has prompted so much uh, movement per se? So a lot of it was growing up. Uh, you know, I grew up with three siblings, and um, my parents had a you know a, a van that we went on trips uh, with yeah. uh, most summers, and a lot of them were pretty far out. Like we did one to Wyoming from Milwaukee. Which is uh, gonna that's gonna knock off a lot of states right there. <laughs> and I, you know, had. A decent amount of free time. I had the time to just do some traveling. Even as an adult, I would, you know, go up to uh, Portland or Washington when I was living in California, or um, when I was here in the Midwest. You know, the East Coast is not too far off. It's maybe an hour and fifteen minute flight to New York City from here. Yeah, uh, and so I definitely took advantage of that and uh, got around as much as I could. I see. Okay, so mm-hmm. so is there any kind of educational or vocational bent? to your life at this moment? I mean, for someone who's moved around so long, I don't know your background beyond... Sure. I, I will say to you, and I'll be frank with you, I'll be blunt with you, candid even. Please. <laughs> I am, Forthcoming. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you best from your beautiful new record, I Stand oh, Corrected. And, and and as I say, I've been supplied some information about you, but otherwise, don't know much about you. So I hope you, sure. you don't mind a little interrogation here. I don't know what else you do, where you come sure. from, what you're all about. Do you have... Did you go to school? Did you have a job of some kind? What beyond music is well, what's going on with you there? Sure. So uh, yeah. So currently, I work in an office type job uh, here in Chicago, and we've been working remotely for uh, the last year and a couple of months. But uh, prior to that, it was uh, you know an office job downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did uh, go to I uh, got an undergraduate degree in Milwaukee many years ago now uh you know i've been getting the reunion emails from my alma mater and uh it's <laughs> it's sad but good at the same time i suppose uh well, and, what uh, what if i may what was your degree in 
business administration. Oh, okay. So, there you go. Not, yeah. not, not necessarily an arts and culture person. No. Okay. But I was interested in writing back then. I definitely had an interest in music my whole life. Uh, and I played uh, the alto saxophone in uh, my university's uh, concert band and jazz band. Oh. So, you know, there was some uh, musical aspects to my life back then. Um, you'd but, have to be you'd have to be quite good to be in the university band, I would think. Well, you know, I got it the gig mainly because of my looks. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I see. But, yeah, no, I was pretty good. Uh, plus, you know, the school that I went to, it's called Marquette University, and uh, the school that I went to, uh, you know, definitely has uh, you know a strong academic reputation, but it's not really a. It's not like North Texas. Hmm. Uh, in terms of like drawing people for uh, you know a musical pursuits, so pretty level playing field, and uh, yeah, I, I loved playing in the band there, and um, it w- was a good experience for sure. Okay, but did you have music in your youth, like as well? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I took piano lessons as a child, played the saxophone as well, uh, starting when I was maybe about 10 or 11 years old. And of course, I, I was fascinated with the popular music at the time. So I, I'm 41. So, um, ha- ha- so the music. Ha- happy birthday. Uh, well, thank you so much. And likewise. Uh, and <laughs> so, you know, I was definitely interested in the, the popular music at the time in the top 40. Uh, but I wouldn't call my household necessarily musical. Like, for example, I didn't hear the Beatles until I was in college. Oh. Uh, so, so there was a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of people took for granted that I had no knowledge of uh, until very late in life, relatively speaking. Was music frowned upon in the home you grew up in? Uh, I don't know. I mean, my parents and siblings, you know, they liked music, but maybe you know, they didn't uh, have the same taste as a lot of people. I remember the one uh, artist that my dad loved when I was growing up was Anita Baker. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, right. Yep. And uh, so that was big. Billy Joel was another favorite of them. So hmm. uh, there was some music around the house, but again, and a lot of smooth jazz, which, you know, I've come to appreciate because it does remind me of my youth, but uh, that, that genre was big in the Jerkin household, too. I see. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so kind of mainstreamy. On yeah. Level. Not looking, yeah. not a lot of subversive art in your home life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like it, they were listening to Fear or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, quite the opposite. I would say. Right. Anita Baker on one side, Fear right. on the other, I'd Maybe say. a little Fear. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fear. So, uh, you, you, what about comedy? I hear a lot of wit and humor in your work in on this record. Almost borderline satire, I think, on some... And I'm not trying to suggest it's not sincere music. Sure. Beautiful music, but I hear that do you know when your ear perks up a little bit where you think, oh, this sincere thing might be, there's some sort of scheme going on here. This this person might be up to something, I think, mm. might be making a comment on culture. Was comedy big for you as a child or as a young adult? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I feel like it almost pervades my uh, sensibilities and psyche so much that, it, you know, unintentionally it uh, comes through uh, into the music that I make. Like I... Uh, you know, I didn't have a, like a comedic agenda of sorts uh, making it, but uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Bill Hicks. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, you know Andy Kaufman. Uh, those are people that are just as much idols to me as uh, as the musicians that I love. Yeah, there's a theatricality to your work 
uh, that I I find is steeped more in comedy than mm. Broadway per se. Does that make sense? Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think some of that too might come from Ryan's influence. Ryan Murphy, the the gentleman that produced the album, and a friend of mine. Mm. He's deeply funny too. And uh, the two of us, uh, we worked really closely on this project. And, uh, you know, I'm sure and now I'm thinking back to some of the antics that we had uh, engaged in while making the album. And I'm sure some of that kind of uh, snuck into the music in some way. Yeah. So. Yeah. So in terms of you mentioned Ryan there, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the instrumentation on this record and in terms of the vocalization, I mean, I think those are pretty unique uh, and distinct aspects uh, to this record, um, can you can you talk about the sort of uh, I guess it's a kind of orchestration, even if it's you know vocal orchestration, if you will. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Like, what was your I, I, for those who haven't heard it yet? Can you kind of elaborate upon where I'm coming from with this? What, what's going on on this record? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when you listen to it, you're going to hear a lot of overdubbed and layered vocals, not just in terms of harmony, but, you know, within the harmonic structure, there's, you know, in some cases, you know, maybe eight instances of the same vocal part being sung. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does lend a unique sound to it because it's it's kind of like there's an orchestra of just my voice. And it sounds better than that description. If you're listening to me talk and you say, I don't want to hear this guy 42 times overdubbed on an album, uh, it does sound better. <laughs> uh, but uh, is, there, um, is there anything about that approach that is in itself a bit of a wink? You know, like it's I'm, it, it, to me, it comes across it, it doesn't come across as overwrought, but some <clears> people tend to. Uh, you know, they they tend to put too much stuff into stuff, and I sure. I, I can't tell if if you're kind of commenting on that just a little bit. Not really. You know, the whole thing started because uh, you know I'm not a great instrumentalist, but I'm a fairly good singer. Yeah, and beautiful I singer. Don't, yeah, yeah, and I don't have uh, many friends that are actively playing music like uh, playing instruments, and so if I wanted to you know, make recordings with myself, really the only angle I could uh, come up with to have it be not just a guy singing along with acoustic guitar would be to kind of make my vocals or my background vocals the background parts. So kind of as a substitute for the instrumentation. Yeah. And I started doing that, gosh, maybe uh, let's say, let's call it 10 years ago. And uh, it kind of grew from there. And I knew I had kind of stumbled across something that was going to work for me to get a, a good sound for these home recordings. Yeah. And um, I just uh, kind of kept growing it from there. And uh, I would say the the songs on I Stand Corrected, the vocal arrangements there are going to be the most advanced uh, that I had done uh, compared to maybe 10 years ago. Hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really just because I can't bring an orchestra into my bedroom to, you know, play these parts, so I kind of <laughs> sang it myself. Well, it's very yeah. imaginative, and it does, I think, harken back to some sort of traditional framework. Like I'm, I, I think of AM radio, for example, mm-hmm. which has a sound to it, a classic sound to it. Uh, and again, uh, going back to what you were saying about how music entered your life or didn't enter your life as a, mm-hmm. as a kid. I mean, can you? I know this can be reductive. But I wonder if you can cite some influences because I don't want to just there are things that people will hear like the Beach Boys. Maybe Uh, Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of Jeff Lynne, like Electric Mm -hmm. Light Orchestra. Is that does any of that resonate with you? Yeah, both do. Um, In fact, uh, when I was a a kid, I got um, 
I got two cassettes for Easter in, uh, I think, 87 or 88. And one of them was uh, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Of course. Which didn't, yeah, naturally. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I got the, the Beach Boys. Uh, they had a compilation, I think, in, in the mid-80s. Actually, I know it was the mid-80s called Made in the USA. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and so I got that. And that was huge for me, uh, that, uh, that Beach Boys compilation, especially, too, because it goes through the early stuff, but then it also... Uh, has some of the material from Pet Sounds and uh, Good Vibrations is on there. Uh, and so from a young age, that uh, was some of my favorite music. And um, ELO is another favorite of mine, too. Uh, I think it's uh, I think they're really underrated. Uh, and they've even the newer stuff that Jeff Lynn has done, I think, is really fantastic as well. I mean, not to mention the, the Wilbury stuff and... Um, this production George, work with George, George Harrison pardon? and people like that. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. So yeah, the, you hit the nail on the head there. Okay. I got it. I'm, uh, nice. I, I, I thought that was there, but I also hear like when I, earlier I was talking about satire, but maybe I, I don't know if that's the right term because you tend to quote lyrics or song mm-hmm. titles even. And yeah. I, I can't, like I hear there's a Steely Dan reference. I was listening right. on, I believe it's on, uh, Kernels of the Morning? Is that the one that mm-hmm. has the reeling in the years? Real in the years, yeah. Yeah, and then on Main Man, I feel like you're basically, I think you're quoting a Roy Orbison song. Am I correct? Yeah, that's true as well. Or what's interpolating? Is that a word? I guess interpolating uh, could yeah. be the word, but when I yeah. listen to it, I'm like, wait, those are the, that's the chorus of that Roy Orbison song, <laughs> ostensibly. Uh, so right. so I guess I, when I hear that, my ears perk up to stuff like that. I'm like, oh, what's what's happening? What's going on? What is right. this saying about this person's perspective on those songs and where they sit in culture? I'm a journalist, which means I'm kind of annoying. I, I can't just listen to something and enjoy it. I have to be no. like, what is yeah. the meaning behind this? So <laughs> am I overthinking this? Like these are, I don't think they're um, scrutinizing these words and these things, but maybe they are. What's your take on that? Why do you quote such things? Well, I think the angle or of, uh, I think where I was coming from was that it's kind of a love letter to the music that I like. Hmm. Uh, and so that element of it, you know, where it may be quoting a particular phrase or, or uh, referencing a specific musician, it's, it's because like th- those things are important to me. And so they're important to the record too. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is a reflective record on some level, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd say so. Is this in terms of your discography? Mm-hmm. Uh, ex- explain that for people who don't know. How many records have you? I believe this is your first full length record, right? It is, yeah. And I had done uh, like an EP of of sorts uh, several years ago as well. That was just kind of uh, self released. I had uh, I dubbed it onto cassette tapes to um, sell at shows. Uh, back then but uh, yeah this is the first full length so so you've come to this is it fair to say do you think you've come to this expression late in life or is that just is that ageism am i being an agent no. <laughs> you and i are about no. the same age so i, I feel comfortable yeah. saying you've come to this yeah you have i mean is, is it fair to say you've, like, you've come to this a little late in life right yeah generally speaking uh yeah i mean uh you know robert pollard uh i think he kind of uh broke out in when he was 38 so i'm three years behind robert pollard for anyone that's keeping track oh it's in about yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. quite common these days joe joe casey from protomartyr for example uh mm-hmm. started this really late as well it's, it seems to be happening more and more 
And I think it's all the better. Uh, you know, it's uh, not just a young man's game. No. Uh, special. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've accrued all this wisdom. Like, you could have been making yeah. mistakes in public since you were 18, like <laughs> yeah, a lot exactly. of us have, and instead you just you waited it out. Now, I guess it begs the question, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't want to pry too much, but what spurred this on? I mean, at some something has to click in someone's mind to say, I'm, you know what? I've talked about writing a book for my whole life. I'm finally going to do it. I've talked sure. about making a record. I'm finally going to do it. Do you know what maybe click the switch for you? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I had uh, kind of gotten rid of all of my instruments maybe back uh, in 2000, early 2010s. So I, I wasn't necessarily actively thinking about ever, uh, you know, writing songs or, or making music ever again. And um, about four years ago, right around this time, I just got the idea, well, maybe it would be nice to have a guitar around the apartment. You know, it could play, you know, uh, write some songs or something just to um, occupy myself. And so I did. I uh, got one and um, the songs kind of uh, started to come. In fact, one of the songs on I Stay Corrected actually was one of the first songs that I had written since acquiring the guitar and it was uh, Let Go the Code. Hmm. So I started uh, coming up with a few tunes and it. Uh, I thought they were pretty decent and um I had spoken with a friend of mine, Gene, uh, who lives here in Chicago, and uh, we had talked about maybe just getting a, a few songs together and then meeting with Ryan Murphy, uh, who I mentioned earlier, uh, to see if he would be interested in uh, arranging or producing uh, some of the material. So uh, it was basically I got the guitar, uh, the songs that I was writing I thought were pretty good, and, and then it kind of sprang from there. Okay. Now you said something near the top there that intrigued me. What prompted you to, in the early 2010s, I guess is what you said, mm-hmm. what prompted you to rid yourself of all instruments? That sounds like a cleansing was yeah. going on. It's true. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. Uh, some of it was practical. Uh, I was going to be moving from uh, the Bay Area to New Orleans, and I had to kind of uh, get rid of anything that wouldn't fit in an SUV. Mm. But um, it was also, too, like out of frustration. I was definitely pursuing doing something like I, you know, I wanted to do, uh, which is, you know, to write songs, record them, uh, perform them, and just things weren't really sticking. Uh, and so kind of in a in a blast of immaturity and frustration, I said, to hell with it, you know, I'm going to get rid of these uh, instruments and do something else with my life. When you say uh, when you say uh, things weren't really sticking, does that mm-hmm. mean for you creatively you, you were frustrated with yourself or do you mean sticking that what you were doing wasn't resonating with those around you or externally? The latter, yeah, just, you know, things, I just wasn't getting much momentum. Uh, so my son, like, I felt like I was doing good work but it just wasn't connecting with people. So did you make records back then? Well, no, uh, you know, it was not like, not like this, you know, I did some home recording and, uh, you know, I would uh, send those to friends or, or, you know, put them on some kind of physical media to give to folks or sell them at shows. But uh, it was, you know, definitely wasn't a full length length. Hmm. Uh, It would be just more like, uh, you know, maybe three songs or something. And this was in California? It was, yeah. Okay. So does that speak to the community there or the lack of the lack of community for you personally uh, at that time? Like did you just like could you play shows and stuff? Were people coming out? 
Yeah, I did a few shows and, uh, you know, I felt like they got a warm reception, but, you know, not enough to really cultivate a fan base or, or enough interest to, you know, build upon. Hmm. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, it's I also think, too, like looking back on some of the music that I had made back then, too, it wasn't as focused as what I was uh, doing with I Stand Corrected and, and since then. So none of I the that, none yeah. of the sorry to interrupt there, but none yeah. of the songs we're hearing emanate from that period. These are all more recent, right? Yeah, they're all more recent. Just about everything on the new record is uh, from 2018 or 2017 onward. Okay, so, so did you ever? So you know, ten years ago, or roughly 11, 10, mm-hmm. 10, 11 years ago, you're in your early thirties, I guess. Uh, Correct. I yeah. just did some math. I don't know if you saw that. You could <laughs> no, hear what I just you, did. I did a little yeah, bit of math. So that's... I heard the TI-85 <laughs> clicking in the background. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had some computational uh, stuff going on back here. No, my yeah. point is that even in your you know early 30s, that's still I would consider that still a little late to be going mm-hmm. out and playing. Did you ever play in bands in high school, uh, in your 20s, anything like that? I did. Uh, so, yeah, I had two bands that I was in in my very early 20s. Uh, so maybe when I was 21 or so, I was in a duo uh, with a lady from my hometown. We were called the Bobcats. Hmm. And uh, it was good. You know, I thought uh, the material, it was, again, very poppy uh, stuff. And uh, she played the keyboards. I played guitar and we both sang. And then I was in a group uh, shortly after that, uh, a five-piece group called the Candyland Riots uh, that was uh, based in Chicago here. I played guitar and sang. And so we had um, two guitars, a keyboardist, a bassist, and a drummer. Okay, so So, you had the experience. I was just trying to figure out if you started in your 30s. Oh, right. It didn't take off, so you're like, screw this, I'm not doing this. But you had the experience of, of being in bands. Did those bands resonate? I think so. Yeah, the the Bobcats, the 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 duo, uh, definitely uh, connected with some folks in Milwaukee. Uh, didn't last too too long for us to, um, you know, really uh, see where it would have taken us. Hmm. Um, it was maybe let's see, so like summer of two thousand one. Yeah, it was less than a year, but uh, maybe about nine or ten months. Uh, and then the the group I was in here in Chicago, uh, that was about two years, and I felt like things. You know, we were getting some steam going, but, you know, we had split up and probably before, you know, we were able to really accomplish too much. But we did. We had a really uh, we got a lot of really good bookings here in town. Uh, Do you remember the group, the Unicorns? Uh, Yes, Uh, I'm I'm actually as you and I are speaking, Mm -hmm. I'll be talking to Nick uh, Thorburn or Nick Diamonds uh, like tomorrow. Oh, well, uh, I I loved them. Uh, I think Islands is great, too. And um, that's that's yeah, what we, that's what will be. So Nick and I have known each other. Well, I actually did a tour with uh, Nick's band Human Highway, where uh, mm-hmm. some of the states that I've been to are because of that. Ah. Mississippi, Texas, you know, these kinds of like, places I'd never been before. Uh, right. So that was in 20. That was 2009, I think, actually. So, yeah. Oh anyway, goodness. yeah. The context of the Nick conversation will be will be about the New Islands uh, record. Ah. So anyway, sorry. What about the unicorns? Oh, we opened for them, ah. uh, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I was a huge fan of theirs, uh, and um, yeah, that like that was awesome. And I felt like you know things were going to kind of only go up from there, uh, and then we fizzled apart uh, maybe four months after that. So, mm. 
So breaking up, yeah. yeah, relationships ending is always uh, difficult, and uh, mm-hmm. it can it can be the gateway to something else. And yeah, is that the case for you on some level? Kind of, you know, as musically speaking, I kind of uh, wasn't doing all that much uh, after the band split up. And it wasn't really actually. Well, I worked at a I worked at a venue here in town. Uh, do you know the Empty Bottle? Yeah, on that same tour, uh, we played yeah. <laughs> we played uh, the Empty Bottle, that uh, Human nice. Highway, and uh, the band. The other band was the Magic, who I was primarily sort of road managing, I guess. And uh-huh. yeah, so we yeah, I've been to the Empty Bottle. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so uh, so I might I don't think I was working there at the time, but that's kind of what I did. So the band had split up, and I started working at the Empty Bottle, and. Um, you know, I worked there maybe three years and didn't really give any thought to uh, performing, writing or anything like that. And then um, it wasn't until I was out in California that that I got the interest again. I started writing material, recording some stuff, trying to get some shows. Uh, nothing was really sticking. I said, you know, F this uh, and uh, got rid of my instruments, moved to New Orleans and uh, didn't really think that, you know, me and writing music again, whatever uh, intersect. So. That's fascinating. New Orleans, New Orleans uh, mm-hmm. music city, known for right. its music. And, I know. And you got rid of all your instruments. I was I was wondering if you got rid of all your instruments thinking you could replace them when you got to New Orleans. Um, no. But it sounds like you, you took a musical hiatus. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, it. Uh, I went there and um, just uh, drinking became my job. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, not necessarily, but uh, I was working. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, that was a misguided idea to to live there, uh, just for a bunch of reasons. Mainly uh, financially, like it takes a decent amount of dough uh, to live down there. Well, and I, I did not have that. I have heard from friends who've lived there or been there that it is a bit of a it's a rough city too, right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, you know that I didn't really encounter any issues like that. Uh, even though I, there's, I guess there's a street, uh, Saint Claude that's kind of like a dividing line between where things are rough and where they're not. Uh, and we were on the not so rough side of it, but pretty proximate. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't encounter uh, too much roughness. Right. So is so New Orleans yeah. before California? I'm trying to. It, it is after. After California. Uh, and then I uh, went from New Orleans to Milwaukee. Okay. And so that was where I, yeah. You're, well, I was just going to say you're a Midwest guy by the sounds of True. it. Uh, head down to the South, but uh, the, the trip West intrigues me. Was that for Music reasons, or why? Why did you end up in California? Sure. Well, as I'm sure you can understand, there's you know a, a romance to being out there, and so uh, you know that was part of it. Uh, a friend of mine from Chicago had moved out there as well, uh, and so I went to visit him in December of 2007. And I was kind of like, well, it's 60 degrees outside and (laughs) (laughs) it's snowing back in Chicago and I've got no kids and, you know, no debt. Like, I might as well just do this. And so I moved out there a couple months later without really much thought other than, yeah, I'll just I'll just go to this place where I know one person and try to make a life for myself here. So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was really it. It was just it was a real spur of the moment decision. Ah, it's fascinating. So, do you have kids now? I do not. Okay. No kids. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're not moored to anywhere. You could leave again. You could move somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm moving in the process of this interview. Are you? you know? Are you? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't see what you're like, doing. You might be packing boxes while you're talking to me. I have no yeah, idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could be in Pittsburgh by the time this is all over, baby. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, so. the recording and the write the writing and the recording of of this uh, record. 
Uh, I assume does most of it predate our pandemic time? Yeah, it does. Uh, so it was uh, the writing was 2018, and the recording was 19. Okay, so you do you find any kind of eeriness to the record, given what we are all going through now? There's a song, and I apologize. Yeah. Uh, the title escapes me at the moment. You can maybe fill me in. There's a song where the chorus urges one to take the medication. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, Let Go of the Coat. That's and, the one. That's uh, the first one you wrote. for the, Yeah, for that the, is. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what kicked it all off. Right. And um, yeah, you know, I feel like that was prescient. Uh, I think that's how you say the word. Uh, prescient. Uh, some, <laughs> prescient? Whatever that prescient? Word. Or pres- prescient. Yeah. Prescient. Yeah, depressive. Prescient? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's something like that. Uh, <laughs> it was valid even, uh, you know, back then. Uh, you know, it uh, was. But uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's there's definitely an eeriness to the album and an isolation or, you know, a, a quality of isolation to it that I think speaks to what we've gone through this last year. Do you know where this, like if you can sort of be objective about recurring themes or maybe potentially an underlying theme, do you, <clears throat> what, what's your take? These are your songs. You made them. Uh, now <clears throat> you've got them all together on this record. It's about to, about to be released into the world and all those sorts of things and people are starting to find out about it but um mm-hmm. yeah what is your what is your take on where you were coming from maybe overall uh really it was uh exorcism you know just like uh saying and and uh you know just saying a lot of stuff like about my own uh existence that you know maybe i didn't feel comfortable sharing and you know listening to it that may not be obvious uh, but of course, from my perspective, you know, knowing, you know, what uh, a lot, you know, lo- knowing what I'm saying, you know, there's definitely like a, you know, a sense of release to uh, all of the songs, you know, like I'm saying something that I wouldn't feel comfortable saying in kind of a, you know, either symbolic or coded way. And now it's out of me, so to speak. Do you know why you were holding on to these things in this way have you got you know have you made any kind of self-analysis about that yeah i mean i think so i had had like i'd had kind of a rough go of things uh, by the time i left california especially like the last few months and um i think that you know a lot of these songs speak to that time uh, and so because it was, you know, difficult, not just for me, but, you know, the people that were close to me, you know, I felt like I couldn't really talk about it too much. Uh, and so to be able to, uh, you know, talk about some, uh, you know, traumatic uh, experiences that I've had in my life uh, in, in a way that uh, I felt comfortable was therapeutic. Uh, so It's interesting when you convey such things via song or art. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of obfuscation, like it's therapeutic for you. Right. But I mean, do you think that the people around you at that time or now who know of what you're referring to, would they pick mm-hmm. up on things by listening to this record? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because some of the things are, are you know, specific enough. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, my brother-in-law heard it and I think he he definitely picked up on it. So. Well, again, I don't want to pry too much into what you're referring to. It sounds like, I guess the first question I'll ask is, do you feel good now? Do you feel okay now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Compared to then, for sure. You know, like I have, 
like everybody, you know, I have uh, struggles and, you know, good days and bad days and stuff. But um, I think back then I was not rooted in reality, whereas I feel like I'm pretty, pretty rooted in reality these days, at least enough to, you know, to live, to like live in society. So does Let Go the Coat, for example, we, we keep, mm-hmm. we've really homed in on this particular it's song. It's a great song, yeah. It's a lovely song. When you sort of get into that chorus, mm-hmm. what is the medication that you're referring to, if you will? What, or not, maybe not that, I don't want to be too specific about it, but it's weird that that song is resonating with me now mm-hmm. as we deal with vaccinations and, and, right. and hesit- yeah. hesitancy about... Medication, frankly, it's medication, it's medicine, right? Um, yeah, but it has a different meaning for you. And like you say, you you acknowledge there's some eeriness, but is there any correlation between what you're talking about from your own personal perspective in that song to what your country and the world is going through now in terms of you know accepting our reality? Because you you say you weren't really living in reality, right? That's a really significant part of your population that isn't living in, and and, and ours <laughs> yeah, in Canada yeah. around the world. There's a significant part of the population that is not living in reality, and a lot of it has to do right now with health and wellness and what the right, right thing to do is. Do you see that resonance uh, within from your personal experience to what we're all going through? Y- yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if uh, the song were written today, you know, it could like pretty much completely transpose uh the meaning of it to uh you know a, a significant portion of our population here yeah but uh in that specific instance it was you know me saying that you know the world wasn't making sense to me and a medical professional saying well take this and maybe things will start making some sense to you right uh so there, you're getting into more psychotropic kind of stuff i suppose yeah but within it like i hear Again, and I don't mean to delve too much into your personal struggle, but there's propaganda in that song. <laughs> yeah, well, right. And it, yeah, it was from medical professionals that were, you know, like kind of trying to take me by the hand, uh, maybe forcefully, and have me do things and think a certain way. So. so do you relate to people who are resisting what's going on right now in terms of the medical advice they're being given? No, uh, I don't relate to them at all. Uh, it's uh, sad. Yeah. You know, I just got my first vaccine uh, last week and um, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to be very relieved when I get the second. But, you know, I got a flu vaccine a couple of years ago and I still can feel the the needle, you know, still feel the wound, so to speak, from that. And I can still feel this one. Oh, small price to pay yeah. uh, for my health. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's more of a commentary, I think, on uh, just me being older and things, you know, me not my body not being nearly as resilient as it once was. Well, I, I, I had invoked the phrase propaganda earlier. I'm about to ask <laughs> you a branding question. And, okay. and and I will ask that first, actually. So, what which vaccine did you get? I got the modern modern A or Moderna, Moderna? as most yeah. people pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I got I have one dose. As we're speaking, I have, uh, one, I have one dose of the AstraZeneca. Oh, a lot of I bad press. Know. A lot of bad press for the AstraZeneca. Well, is that just up there then? No, we have we, we yeah we mostly have that up here, but that now they're. I told my wife I didn't want to take it. Okay. If, if I don't make it. Mm-hmm. I just want you know this my on- baby will. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little, yeah, sure. A little Bob Dylan reference a there. Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if I don't, uh, you know, I just feel like I-, I wanted to wait on 
because AstraZeneca was getting bad press and I wanted mm-hmm. to wait on the other stuff. But then I like there's so much propaganda and media issues like just how they're covering stuff up here yeah. that I can understand why people are confused. And I, I mm. in your personal situation, I'm sure you weren't seeing things from your perspective. Now you, you, you can sort of acknowledge that you weren't seeing things correctly. Like, did you ultimately take the doctor's advice at that point? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I, I mean, I didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, in the matter unless I, you know, found a way to like, you know, flush uh, whatever it was they were giving me down the toilet. Yeah. But um, yeah, I did. And, um, you know, I, I kind of went with it just to, um, you know, felt like uh, it would get me out of the situation faster. Uh, so did it help? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm here today. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, yeah, so there's some, I don't know, I, I listened, I like the scientists and the doctors, but I find like the media... Sure muddles all the messages and like i don't know if you've ever watched any of your cable news uh channels in america very little but um probably should yeah enough to know yeah <laughs> i've been yeah. Off, i've been off of it since you guys had your election pretty much i don't see which the, election uh, uh, 16 or 20 uh, no 20 sorry I, okay. I i i was really uh trying to keep track of things uh for the last one maybe to my detriment but mm. the point is uh in between all of the news segments uh so-called news segments i don't even know sure. what they are anymore Drug ads, lots of ads for drugs. And really? Just a ton of them. Just every Oy. every kind of drug for every kind of thing. And then I they cut back to the news segment and someone trying to scare me uh, mm. and, 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 and give me anxiety or mm-hmm. convince me that there's something wrong with me. And then right. that, uh, that segment ends, drug ads. So then I start <laughs> to get, I'm not a conspiracy person. I mean, that's a sure. really loaded term these days. But I am a right. criti- I am a critical thinker. So then, when I, you know, what I'm getting at here, I feel like you probably yeah. you probably are too. Like, what is this shit they're trying to serve me here, and how do I navigate that? I feel like some of that, if I may, is permeating your record a little bit. There's a questioning, isn't there? It it could be, uh, and uh, I do at least here in the U.S. You know, they're like uh, they'll have ads for things like. Uh, do you ever itch? You know, like, yeah. Try, yeah. <laughs> try such and such. Uh, and then, of course, the, they'll have the side effects. Yeah, uh, that's the side yeah. effects thing. That's right. the thing. Right. That's what, everything's right. a side effect right now, and, and and that's what we're doing with this vaccine stuff. Like we were supposed to, yeah. we have to take the vaccine. You just said I still feel the needle mark, and on some yeah. level, or the needle, like the, you feel the injection pain. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of that's psychological. I'm not trying to downplay your pain. I'm just saying. No, it, yeah, it very well could be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my decision to take it was kind of like, well, it's been, what, four or five months or something. And I know a lot of folks that have, uh, you know, taken both uh, shots and they seem to be okay. Yeah. And uh, just in the interest, too, of my own health, like I have been extraordinarily cautious this past year. Yeah. Uh, you know, barely leaving the house, always uh, masked up. And um, it's just kind of like more for my own uh, like mental relaxation to just uh, have the vaccine just so that I know I don't have to worry so much about what could be a potentially fatal illness. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. well, (laughs) I will say the other aspect of my question was about your general sort of questioning of information (laughs) and critical thinking, I suppose. I, I feel like that permeates this record in some cases um am i overthinking this or do you feel like that's present 
I don't think you're overthinking it. I think it, it might be one of those things, again, like the comedic angle where it's just such a part of me mm. that anything I do is going to have that angle to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's just the way you are, and that's just – this is a pretty pure expression of you then. I think so. Talking. Yeah. As yeah. I was kind of alluding to the theatricality and performative aspects of when you hear like this many layers of vocals mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the instrumentation is what primarily you on acoustic guitar, there's drums and, and other instruments throughout, but it's, is it primarily you on guitar and, and your voice? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, all the songs have me, except for one, have me playing guitar and singing. And then um, Ryan uh, played drums on a handful of the songs. Mark, the uh, engineer of the sessions, played bass. And then we brought in a horn section for three of the songs. Yeah, like the song Right Through. Yeah. Quite different than, I don't know. Like the, there's, just, there's a distinction between the, you basically have, they're not divided as such, I guess, but you have like this acoustic versus electric <laughs> yeah yeah kind ba- of solo versus band dynamic i guess it feels like except your your solo song still has like 15 versions of you on it right <laughs> right <laughs> so it feels like everything feels like there's a gang of people but it's really primarily you and your guitar i guess yeah more or less yeah. and uh you know i had wanted to have it all sound uh sound like of one piece even though there was a lot of stylistic variety and uh, variety in instrumentation yeah like where you know uh you would know that it was one of my songs from this particular album well so, you, you've released a, a studio experiment so to speak at the right time because there's mm-hmm. not uh immediately a demand for you to take it on the road but right but i'm curious like do you this is a bit of a uh, an opening you're opening yourself up here with this with this music with this record does it, it begs the question like do you think there'll be more activity would you want to tour would you want to play live yeah and uh you know we're hoping to uh so actually back in january of last year uh we did a show of ryan and i where he played drums and i had sang with no overdubs he had done some backing vocals uh throughout it and uh whistling too there was uh he did a little bit of whistling and uh we did that and i thought it went really well and so i think that the plan is to play some shows when we can and if anything maybe have another singer Oh, okay. uh, with me okay but yeah you know you know back when i was in california the the shows that i was playing was just me singing along to pre-recorded music uh so it would have all of the vocal overdubs with it and i would be basically just you know i could have lip-synced and it would have had the same effect i saw cool keith do a show like that really well, uh, he, he where had, was that it was in hamilton ontario he had the album uh, sex style playing and a dj i guess scratching <laughs> but the album was just playing and he was rapping with his album on and uh, I found I know it's very common these days when you watch uh, hip hop artists on Saturday Night Live or something. Their Eminem does it a lot. His backing track is just right. the album. It's just the song playing, <laughs> right. and he happens to be there singing with you. So you are like the cool Keith or Eminem of right uh, indie, of whatever it is I do, indie yeah. folk, country, whatever the music you make. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel mm. like that you should put that if it's not too late to add stickers to the front of the record. I- you know, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Do you know the uh, the Neil Hamburger uh, phone call prank phone calls album? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we so one of the original concepts for the sticker on the album was uh, featuring Bette Midler as the ringmaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that makes sense. So you, yeah. <laughs> so if you need to blurb your album, just use what yeah. I just said, and you yeah. have a sticker there. No, the, I just... the cool Keith or Eminem. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> of modern music, I guess, is yeah. really the, the catch all. I mean, so you yeah. could, so, but so that's back in the day. That's what you would have to do. But your plan, right. your plan is to augment your vocal with potentially someone else, right? If necessary, you know, I kind of feel like it's the strong. The songs are sturdy enough to withstand it, where it could just be me. And uh, then if somebody liked what they heard and they purchased the album, they could be, you know, they could maybe appreciate the the album version as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, you look at some groups too, like, you know, the Grateful Dead, uh, their albums were quite different than their live shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I, 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 I'm in the Bob Dylan camp where the album is just mm. whatever happened in that, in that time frame. And then the song is, can be anything it wants to be after that. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you like Bob, I didn't want to, do you like Bob Dylan? I didn't mean to I didn't mean to imply that No, maybe. I I love Bob Dylan okay. and I know you do too from my my fandom of Creative Control. Oh, uh, so I didn't know you liked yeah. the show that much, Ed. That's very nice of you. I do. Yeah, I I do quite a bit. And so um yeah, it's and uh, I should have said earlier it's great to be talking with you and slightly <laughs> surreal at the same time. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I appreciate that. That's great. I had a I had an inkling that uh, that you enjoy, appreciated the show, but I, I I'm glad that you know it well enough to know that I you took a stab in the dark that I might like Bob Dylan, and you were correct. I was yeah. <laughs> I was dead on point, um, and I love Berman too. Uh, so I feel like yeah. that's another artist that we have in common, and uh, yeah, a huge fan of his uh, for many many years too. So yeah, I'm uh, as we're speaking, going through a bit of a, a thing with David's uh, work, and my children are falling in love with it. And uh, oh, it's great! Yeah, it's fun. We've been I've incorporated uh, a couple of Silver Jew songs uh, for the nice. bed for the bedtime. For the and my ah uh, so now my, which ones so uh, primarily I take a guitar up there and I which uh, was my daughter mostly my son has sort of outgrown it but he he hears what we're doing um, mm -hmm. so yeah we've been I've been singing my my daughter will say I want squirrels so uh, I, I sing strange victory strange defeat and she sings oh, along great. and as she's as she's fading I sing random rules. Uh, okay. And uh, I used to, they don't really remember this, when they were in their crib. It's a little mm -hmm. inappropriate, but I thought also somehow appropriate. I would sing them, How Can I Love You If You Won't Lie Down. Ah, uh, well, an, you know, apropos. Uh, <laughs> it it, felt, it yeah. felt appropriate given that we were trying to put our, our kids to sleep. Yeah. Yes, I don't think that's yeah. the original meaning of the song. You're but right. <laughs> you could maybe do Fast Cars, Fine Snacks. <laughs> I, I would say the actual lyric actually, ah. and uh, I, they were too. They were. This is when they were babies. Uh, mm. It was more therapeutic for me, uh, frankly, mm -hmm. to, to sing this song. Yeah. So those have all been in rotation. My son really likes uh, Smith and Jones. Uh, mm -hmm. He he says that's his favorite song. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. David's been on my mind, and so uh, yeah. I'm, I appreciate uh, the gift he has given me. Uh, I hear from guests like you all the time. You know, I, mm. I I heard about your show because of David and, and David yeah. being on, and so it means a lot to hear that. So thank you. Um, of course, you, we're 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 kind of uh, subtextually uh, alluding to Drag City Records, which was uh, mm -hmm. David's longtime label. You are not on Drag City per se, but you're on a new. Is it is it, it's some sort of affiliated label? Is is that what's going on? Yeah, it's an imprint. Uh, so, um, you know, they make and uh, distribute and promote the album, but it is on the Country Time imprint. Country Time. Now, this sounds like a margarine or a lemonade uh, or well, something. Uh, that's, it's a little of both. It's, um, you know, like, the, <laughs> yeah, there's lemurgerin. Uh, <laughs> are, are you currently the sole uh, artist on the roster? Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great uh, 
Well, I mean, everyone at Drag City is fantastic, and uh, Country Time is uh, equally great too. So, so why uh, why did they? How significant are you that Drag mm-hmm. City had to start a whole new label <laughs> just for you, an imprint, if you will? Do you know what the rationale was? Like, why not just be on Drag City? Why do you have to be on Country Time? I'm just curious. I, I think the the reasoning was that if uh, it was on an unheard of label, it would make the album seem even weirder. Do you think the re- okay? I'll be frank with you. I mm-hmm. I, I was emailing with the, the publicist there, your friend and mine, Catherine at Drag City. Yeah, and we were just confirming all of this. And I wrote, and I I did it deliberately, bluntly, and I meant for comic effect. I said about you. I said, he seems weird. Is he weird? <laughs> 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 and Catherine's like, ha, 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 no, he's not weird at all. He's very nice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's nice. I don't know. There's something about the record. It seems a bit weird. And uh, that was where I was <laughs> coming from. So so do you, you sort of self-identify as weird? Is that what you're saying? Well, I feel like if, if I were, then I would not be weird. It's kind of like if you call yourself a hipster, you know, you can't be one. Uh, no. well, isn't, I, isn't Drag City, though, weird enough? Right. Yeah. Everyone is uh, weird on Drag City, I feel like. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I've, I've talked to so many people from there. Weirdos. The whole <laughs> lot of them. <laughs> well, uh, I I mean, I guess I wouldn't, you know, introduce myself as, hey, I'm Ed, I'm weird. <laughs> uh, you know, good to meet you. Uh, but, no, it's, it, uh, it, it, it's probably some weird business thing that I don't get. But I, I, I like that there's a new imprint, and I'm glad you're yeah. on it. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Same. Yeah, yeah, and it's technically it's Ryan's uh, baby, so to speak. So um, my hope is that some of the folks that he's worked with and that he knows, uh, like particularly Edith Frost, uh, who oh, is yeah. excellent, it would be cool if uh, maybe I had some company on Country Time. But if it does turn out to just be me, hey, could do worse. Now, so. as far as no, it's it, just so I, I'm clear. This is great news. I'm happy mm-hmm. for you. I'm happy for this auspicious occasion. Your first full length album. The mm-hmm. first release on a brand new label. It's great. It's exciting. Totally. So, so if people want to learn more about Country Time and your new record, I Stand mm-hmm. Corrected, and you, would we send them to dragcity.com? Where do we send them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, dragcity.com and their Instagram page have a bunch of stuff. Okay. So so we, we are still sending people to Drag City. Uh, Country yeah. Time will develop... Uh, more of a web life of its own as it develops, we think. Yeah, uh, or not. Or uh, may but, not, right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, for now, they can just go to the usual channels. Is this some sort of weird tax loophole? Like, is this <laughs> like having your accounts on the islands? Is that what they're doing? Like, I don't... I'm sorry, I don't mean to fix it on this. It just seems no, a little I, sus. I, I, <laughs> well, you know, again, the goal was, like the goal was to make it seem like it popped out of nowhere. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, you know, uh, when you like pick up uh, your if you're shopping for used LPs and you see something that, you know, catches your eye yeah. and it's not on like RCA or something or, uh, you know, anything that, you know, uh, that's kind of the effect that we we're going for. Well, mission accomplished thus far. You, <laughs> I am a seasoned label follower and I found this all just a, not confusing. I get it. I, it happens. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. Uh, okay, so people can go to dragcity.com. Uh, and Ed, are you, oh, sorry, Ed, do, do we follow you on things? Are you on the things? Yeah, I'm on some stuff. Uh, you know, I signed up for Instagram uh, just for this, uh, and it's E R Jerkin. And uh, so E R J U R K E N is where I am on Instagram. And um, yeah, you can see uh, a lot of food related things. 
uh, that I post. <laughs> you like food, do you? Yeah, if you like poorly constructed food photographs, like that's your spot. You want to <laughs> you want to photograph that. I feel like that's uh, why Instagram was invented initially. Just more or less. Yeah, yeah, w- yeah it was called uh, La Margarinogram. <laughs> uh, and then, <laughs> they they changed it, shortened it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah shortened it up. Yeah, when, once Facebook bought it. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I want to. Uh, I hope people follow you. I'll follow you on uh, from Good. my Instagram account at some point, and then we'll, I look forward to that. It'll be great. Uh, yeah. Is there a song from I Stand Corrected that we can go out on? And if so, can you pick one and, and maybe tell us why you chose it? I mean, do we have to do Let Go of the Coat, right? I mean, that's the one we've talked about the most. People it, are going to be curious. They're peaked. I feel oh. like that's the case. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th- I mean, it's a good song. It's uh, you know, it's accessible. Yeah, it is accessible yeah. and it's catchy. It gets in my head. It's infe- yeah. it's infectious for a song it, about medicine. <laughs> right. It's a little infectious. Let's go with that. That's a yeah. Not going to top that. So we have to wrap this up. That was that that was a closer. I think that was a closing statement. This is "Let cool. Go the Coat" <laughs> by <laughs> e, by Er Jerkin from the beautiful new album "I Stand Corrected." Uh, Ed, this was a a real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I wish you the best luck in the future. Yeah, likewise, Vish. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Now there's trees along the coast what once was sure now grows And his name is on the coat A curtain once a
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, very special. Thanks. That was fun. Thank you, Ed Jerkin, for appearing on this, the 629th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode uh, that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, uh, everything you would possibly need to know about me uh, is on my website, vishkana.com. I mean in a professional context. There are things about me that aren't on the website. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of those fun facts. What are some fun facts about me that not, aren't on the website? Um, oh, I once stood in line at a jumbo video in Kitchener, Ontario in the rain with my father to meet Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, the wrestler, when I was a kid. It was a long line, too. And uh, apparently he had the snake uh, with it. What was the name of the snake? Matilda? Damien? Damien, right? Anyway, I don't remember, but I was stood in line for a long time. That's a fun fact. That's not on the website, but there's other stuff you might want to know on my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly on Twitter or on Instagram at vishkana. Also visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content, and, uh, oh, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. I want to thank uh, some people right now. You know who they are if you listen to the show all the time. I want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee and Guelph. Fine retail establishments that I miss dearly. I also want to thank Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for the show. And, by the way... I want to thank Granddad's Donuts uh, for setting aside a dozen donuts for my sister, who was visiting Ontario, and brought them to my parents. That was very kind of them. I also like that uh, I assumed this would fall under the auspices of our sponsorship agreement, but they charged my sister. That's like my favorite part of that transaction. They actually forgot, and they're like, no, you got to pay for these donuts. And <laughs> Sorry, this is just mean, but I thought that was... It was amusing to me. They're great. Granddad's Donuts are great, and you should go visit them. Also, want to thank Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show each week. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode, subscribing to the podcast, telling your friends about the show, maybe suggesting they listen to it. That all helps spread the word and keeps the show going afloat, if you will. Uh, I will talk to you very, very soon. I hope you're having a nice time in your life and uh, that we talk soon. Okay, 
Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.